From Tokyo, Japan, I'm Frank Ling, and you're listening to the Rock Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and the way they affect our daily lives. Coming up in today's show, Professor Sanjeev Gambir will join us to talk about blood based tumor detection. So stay tuned for all of this here on the Grok Science Show. the program. Well, it is now the 21st century and medical advances have made our lives much longer. However, the detection and the cure for a cancer and other tumors has remained elusive. Well, scientists at Stanford have recently made a breakthrough, uh, at least on the detection side, uh, using a blood-based uh, process. Uh, joining us today is our very special guest, Professor Sanjeev Gambier, who has recently published his work in the Proceedings of National Academy of Science on blood-based uh, tumor detection. Uh, Professor Gambier, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. Great. So this is really exciting work. Uh, it, it seems now we have a, a versatile and you know, perhaps even an uh, affordable uh, procedure to look for tumors and possible cancer in in our blood. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about how how this uh, mechanism works? Sure. So um, we, for a long time, have been trying to develop new ways to detect cancer early. And the thought is that it's not so much a problem along lines of the treatments we have, but the treatments we have for cancer are applied relatively late. So by detecting cancer early, you have the ability to potentially cure it, and we therefore focus a lot on early cancer detection. This new approach says, why depend on what cancer cells normally make that would enter the bloodstream, or in some cases even the urine? And instead, why not force the cancer cells to make something to reveal themselves if they in fact exist? So when you hear about tests like PSA, prostate-specific antigen, or CEA, carcinoembryonic antigen, blood tests, blood biomarkers, as they're called, that look for signs of cancer, those biomarkers in your blood are often present only when the cancer is fairly advanced, or are made by normal healthy tissues and therefore aren't specific enough for cancer. So although we continue as a community to look for those kinds of markers, in this work we said, well, what if you could pop a pill and then the pill would lead to all cells of your body being activated with the pill. Only the cells or cancer cells would then start making a biomarker protein that would then enter the blood. So two days after you swallow the pill, you would test your blood and maybe eventually urine. And if you found that special biomarker that we're forcing your cancer cells to make, it would mean that you might have cancer. I see, I see. And I understand this method relies on uh, using 
a circular strand of of DNA. Uh, this this molecule uh, is it specific to the type of cancer or to that patient? Um, it's more specific to either all cancer cells or a specific kind of cancer, but not a patient. So the the actual pill has what's in it called DNA mini circles, and they're little pieces of DNA that will go into all your cells but only turn on in cancer cells. And just like you have certain genes that come on only in some cells and not other cells, even though all of your cells have the same genes, these mini circles let us send into all your cells a special gene that makes a special protein that will then enter your blood. But a switch in this mini circle, a little DNA switch, only causes the DNA to activate in cancer cells, and that's why it becomes specific. And the switch can be made for all cancer cells, or just prostate cancer, or just breast cancer. The way we've done it right now is so that no matter what kind of cancer cells you have anywhere in your body, the switch will activate. Well, that sounds like a very clever mechanism. Um, are there any analogs in, in nature that has this kind of mechanism? Um, not really. In the this is exactly why we flipped the problem around. We're saying nature, unfortunately, didn't develop a strategy like your car might have a little red sensor light that comes on when there's a problem. Your body doesn't tend to have that at early stages. And so nature, of course, uses genes and turns on and off genes. That's not new. But forcing cancer cells to make something is new, and forcing them to make something that we can detect in the blood and thereby be confident that it's really coming from cancer cells is what makes this strategy unique. Uh, I see, I see. Uh, and I, I'm just curious, what what was the inspiration behind this, this new method? Uh, yeah, so the inspiration is that, that because for many years we've been looking at novel ways to detect cancer early, and have been relying on things cells normally make and finding it so hard to find things that cancer cells make uniquely. Because cancer cells do make a lot of things, but so do your normal cells, because after all, the cancer cells originated from your own body. They're part of your body. Uh-huh. So it's very hard finding biomarkers that are unique to cancer cells. We just said, well, how would you solve that? How would you, how would you do something where you could get the cancer cells to do something for you that they wouldn't normally do, and right. that's what led us down this path. This looks very, very promising. Um, you, you've tackled the problem of detecting these cells. Um, pre- presumably, this would mean that this same method could be applied to specifically target and, you know, perhaps destroy these cancer cells. Is that something you you foresee happening? Yeah, that's a great question. So, of course, if you can find the cells and get them to make a protein that you can detect, why not also destroy the cells while you're at it? And that is something that we're also looking at. We're also looking at tests or urine tests, and then you go on to get imaging to find out where the cells are hiding. And then, yes, you can also, in the mini circle, deliver a bomb that would destroy the cell. So both diagnosis and therapy are part of the solution to this, uh, this strategy. You've described the binding agent as a circular DNA strand. Uh, are these similar to, say, the mitochondrial 
uh, plasmids which are in our cells? Right, right. Yeah, so it's related, but mini circles are a different entity. They're actually man-made, and uh, the mini circles basically take what would be a circle of DNA that bacteria might normally make, but they cut out portions that uh, are um, not necessary to have the gene be expressed in a given cell. So they're smaller than a plasmid. They're by the name mini circle. Why we chose those is for more reasons of safety. When you introduce DNA into the body, however you get it into the body, you don't want that DNA to get integrated into the host genome. You want it to stay separate because if it integrates into the host genome, depending on where it integrates, it can cause problems. Uh -huh. So that's why we end up using um, mini circles. They stay independent of your chromosomes. They make the gene product that we're interested in that gets into the blood. And then after a couple of weeks, they disintegrate. So that allows for a much better strategy for clinical translation of, of these uh, mini-circles. I see. And in your um, experiments, you use rats uh, to to look for a specific type of DNA. Uh, could you uh, describe this a little bit in terms of like how, how were the rats pre-selected or what kind of cancers you were looking for? Yeah, so in the model we use, we actually use mice. And what we do is we have the mice have tumors. How do we have the mice have tumors? We inject into the mice tumor cells. The tumor cells go and deposit, for example, in the lungs. And then after the tumor is taken to hold, we then come in with the mini circles. But the mini circles go not only into the tumor cells, they also go into normal cells. And uh, once they get into the tumor cells, they activate. So if you gave the mini circles to our control mice, mice that we didn't put tumor cells into, mm -hmm. then the blood biomarker is not detectable. But if you give our mini circles into the mice that we put tumors into, then you see the biomarker in the blood that the, the mini circles are encoding for. It's been known that many tumors actually uh, grow over periods of years, if not decades with this method will it be possible to uh, detect for something years before it becomes harmful yeah that's the hope and how we know that is when although we give the tumors to the mice and we don't wait for a year that's because we have the tumors grow faster in the mice but we know for example in this paper that we're detecting tumors that are a couple of millimeters in size as mm -hmm. opposed to a centimeter in size or even bigger so the hope is that, yes, as it moves to human application, that these tumors that are just a few millimeters in size would be detectable. That's still a lot of cells, though. This is not going to detect one single cell that's a cancer cell sitting anywhere in your body. Mm -hmm. Even a two-millimeter-sized tumor already has millions of cells in it. So I don't want you to think that you're going to detect a single cell hidden somewhere in your body. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Here in Japan, there's been some other work. Uh, I think some scientists recently reported that they're using nem nematodes uh, to detect for these similar uh, biomarkers. I, I presume this is based more on the chemical method. Uh, do you have any comments on some of the other methods for uh, cancer detection? 
yeah, so there's many techniques, you know, for detecting uh, cancer potentially. You know, no one method's perfect. Um, this one, as I said, is got the disadvantage that you first have to take a pill uh-huh. and then, you know, look for evidence of cancer. Ideally, you'd never have to do anything and you could just take your breath or your urine and or your blood, but ideally even your breath or your urine and um, basically know whether there's cancer cells hiding somewhere in your body. Right. But I think right. it's not just about this approach. It's a combination of this approach with an imaging approach. We worked on lots of other imaging approaches as well to detect cancer early. Right. And then some combination of these is likely what's going to be the best towards uh, detecting cancer in a given patient. Oh, okay, okay. It's like very exciting research, and I'm... Um... Well, you know, I'm more optimistic now that we have potential solutions for cancer. Uh, I guess we're running a little bit out of time here. Are are there any, fi- any final words you'd like to add about your work or your interest in this field? Uh, only that I think people should understand that all these kinds of strategies take many years to really become routine. And so I don't want people to think this is something where they're going to be walking into a doctor's office a year from now and swallowing a pill that will tell them if they have cancer. It takes many years of refinement, re-refinement. That's why it's called research instead of search, <laughs> as I tell all my students. And the re is important because we, we keep improving and then translating clinically has many challenges. But what I do want to end with is that early detection, which we've been arguing for for many, many years, decades now, has always been underlooked. We focus too much on therapies in cancer, but the problem isn't in the therapies. We have many therapies that work. Actually, they work very well. They just don't work well when you have too many cancer cells already present. So the goal really in the whole field is we shift the research, shift the effort away from just thinking about therapeutics to one of also thinking about early detection. Okay, great. Well, those are okay. some, yeah, certainly very wise words that we should uh, keep in mind. Uh, Dr. Gambier, thank you so much for joining us here today on the Grok Science Show. Great. Good luck to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right. Take care. Yeah, we were just talking to Professor Sanjay Gambier from the Department of Radiology at Stanford University. We were talking about blood-based tumor detection using circular DNA strands, and his work was published in the recent edition of the Proceedings of the National Academies of Science. And that's all for this week's edition of the Rock Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science, technology, and the way it affects our daily lives. In the meantime, you can check us out on the web at www.rocks.net, on Facebook and Twitter. You can email us at science at rocks.net. For Rock Science, I'm Frank Ling. Stay tuned here for more music.